Hi, I'm Peggy. And I'm Dave. And this is Amped. Hey, Dave, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you today? I am doing well. I wanted to take this opportunity to wish you a happy belated birthday. Oh, thanks for doing that. (laughs) It was a big one, right? It ends with a zero. It ends with a zero. Starts with starts with a squiggly number I don't like. <laughs> well, happy birthday. I hope you had a fantastic day. Thank you. That's very nice. And in tribute of me turning uh, age that I don't want to think about, um, I have been unable to get my normal sound system up and running uh, this week. So to the extent that there is poor audio quality on my end, I apologize to everyone not been able to figure it out pretty soon i will be asking uh my uh my kids uh how the aol works on my internet computer there so um it's all it's all coming to a head very quickly all comes around full circle doesn't it Oof. tell you get old and all of a sudden it's just you lose it oh i know i know i'm not that far behind you oh you're two years behind me yeah i know but it's creeping up on me but that's the topic for a whole other podcast yes what should we talk about this week today i think we should talk about the changing face of healthcare, and in particular the the advent and the inclusion of medical scribes yeah and this is something peggy that i don't think we necessarily see much of if any of in most orthotic and prosthetic facilities but it is something that is uh, invading uh, most health systems. And I don't know, I don't know, Peggy, if you've been to a hospital and experienced this, but I remember uh, maybe 24 months ago now, I went to the ER with Max, who was having um, some symptoms that we couldn't explain and ended up in a very nice modern ER. And the doctor came in and there was this young guy just sort of trailing behind him with a computer on a rolling base. And it was very clear that he was part of this whole process. Um, and I, I obviously, I, I know what medical scribes are just from uh, the work that I've been involved with for years, but it's not necessarily a common experience. So this is one, one important way in which healthcare has changed over the last 20 or so years. And I think this is driven primarily by the administrative complexity of claims, um, though there are other aspects of this that we'll go into. Um, and, you know, a lot of clinicians have gotten sucked up into administrative and documentation related tasks instead of patient care. And I, I recently saw some, some statistics suggesting that clinicians in general are spending a distinct minority of their time actually treating patients. The rest of it is spent in documentation and or claims related work, which obviously isn't ideal. So that's led to the rise of the medical scribe. And we're going to talk about this trend and I think have a very open discussion since you and I didn't prep for sort of what our experience with it has been personally, uh, but an open discussion about whether we think this is a good or a bad thing. Yeah, definitely. So actually, my prosthesis does have one. Um, really? I, just, I wasn't sure that that's what her title was until I kind of went over uh, the notes to, pre- you know, to prep for this podcast. But she's been with him for probably three or four years now and always comes in and takes the notes, fills out the forms, uh, writes down everything that he says. Um, so, yeah. 
I'm sure that she has other tasks as well, but one of her roles is to, is to be a scribe. Um, my, my youngest son goes to children's hospital all the time, um, for some health issues. And I mean, there's a medical scribe with every doctor that comes in. Um, it's just, it's the norm. And I had to smile when you were talking about spending so much more time documenting versus actually treating patients. Um, because my husband just came home from work. It's, uh, eight o'clock at night. Um, he's a special ed teacher and he spends, you know, an inordinate amount of time now doing documentation and paperwork versus direct with the students. So although we're focusing on healthcare, that's a trend that's starting to trickle into a lot of other professions as well. Yeah, it's, it's an interesting, it really is an interesting sort of subset of healthcare that is really quite new overall. And um, so let's, why don't we start with what a medical scribe is? And uh, do you want to take this or you want me to? Um, I'll take it. So if you've been to a hospital recently or been to, it, it tends to be more in specialty offices, I found. So if you've had to go to a medical specialist or for testing or, or something like that, you may have noticed it's typically a younger person standing next to the MD with the rolling cart or a laptop um, typing as the MD is talking to you. Um, typically, that role is a med student or pre-med student. Um, and the theory behind utilizing a scribe is that it removes the administrative burden of documentation from the clinician. So the scribe is doing the documentation in real time as the clinician is treating the patient. So it's more um, efficient for the clinician's time. Um, theoretically, it allows the clinicians to focus more on the patient because they're not worried about checking the correct boxes and filling out the forms as they're talking to you or as they're talking to the patient. Um, because doctors and clinicians go to college to, with the goal of working and helping people directly, working with patients, um, sometimes the paperwork part of it can cause burnout. Um, so having somebody else kind of carry that burden and take that off of the plate of the clinician and letting them really focus on their skill set and on their passion really helps with burnout. Um, and it helps, helps them be more productive and therefore make the clinics more profitable. Yeah. Um, it's, it's something that as, as we go into sort of the back end of this discussion, I think there's some interesting implications about this because a lot of the, the way health systems, I think in particular, look at this is it's a, it's a productivity and efficiency tool. Um, you know, it prevents doctors from getting out of the system because they're so disgusted with doing all the documentation um, that they just say, I'm out, I'm out of the field entirely. And obviously replacing, uh, replacing any, employee of any kind is really costly for businesses. So this constantly gets portrayed in purely economic terms. And what I think is interesting is that very infrequently is the discussion about, um, you know, what impact, if any, does this have on actual health care? Does that discussion, you know, that discussion doesn't occur a lot. That, we'll, we'll get to that. But what is what are medical scribes actually responsible for? There's really three general areas. They're obviously inputting medical terminology and billing data. Um, in some instances, they can be adapting to different types of electronic medical record platforms. Um, and the 
dominant function that I think everyone probably reflexively thinks it's the core of their role, and it probably is. Um, and it certainly would be in most orthotic and prosthetic facilities if they were using scribes, would be recording clinician notes during patient visits. It it takes away from the, the use of the dictaphone, right? I remember um, way back in the day, specialists and doctors would walk around with the little recorders. And after they went into a patient's room, they would go into the hallway or go into a lounge and speak into it. And then it would be sent off to a transcriptionist. So it's kind of doing that in real term, correct? Or in real yeah. real time. Yeah, that's exactly what's happening. And um, it's, you know, it's very direct and immediate. The, the, the clinician is still responsible for verifying that the information that's entered is accurate, um, but it effectively is real time transcription. Right. So do you want to talk, do you want me to talk about the training that is received? Sure. Because it depends, right? Right now there's no licensing that's required for scribes. Um, estimates that are roughly one third are voluntarily certified. Um, in order to be a scribe, they say that you have to have a minimum of a high school diploma, uh, whereas some companies require up to two years of college. Um, so it's 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 considered an entry level, correct? It is, but here's one of the interesting things. So this is pulled from exactly the same sources. The um, earlier you mentioned that you know typically med students or pre med students are are scribes. And from exactly the same source, I'm also, you know, we, we got this information saying some companies require two years of college. Even that reflects the fact that I think there's probably just a lot of variability in uh, what's going on here, because obviously medical students or pre-med students, those are people who are, you know, have more than two years of college. Um, and um, a, a medical student obviously has completed college. So I, I think the... Um, I think the type of training they receive, especially with respect to minimum qualifications, um, just reflects an industry, for lack of a better way to describe it, that isn't all that well-defined or regulated yet. It's still in the relative early stages of its development. And um, I know that some doctors, um, one of the articles I, I read um, when I was researching this topic, uh, focused on doctors expressing real concern that there's this kind of variability in training and uh, being worried about the implications of that. Yeah. I also think it, it kind of depends on, you know, if the, the hospital is a teaching hospital or not, you're probably going to get the med students, pre-med students, higher educated scribes at that entry level position at a teaching hospital versus a private hospital that doesn't, doesn't offer the teaching. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I think that's I think that's a correct observation. So, so go, ahead. go ahead. Now I was just gonna say, how do you feel about it? Have you been in an appointment with a scribe, Dave? And and how did you feel about it? So I've never been in one personally. Like I said, I've been in the one where I, I saw Max um talking to to a physician and he was still a minor at the time, I think. Um, or he just a, a young adult and I was there with him. Um, and I, you know, in, in that context, it wasn't really, uh, it wasn't a big deal, but I wasn't really focused on that because I was so focused on Max and making sure that he was okay. Um, I think the question about 
you know, I, I think there are two main questions that scribes raise from a patient perspective. And, you know, I think it's very easy to make all of the kind of economic and efficiency and quality arguments that health systems make when they look at this. And the question that I was thinking about, Peggy, when when we were teeing up this topic was, what's the impact it has as a patient? And does it improve the relationship that you have with the clinician in some way? Um, does it make you less likely to, to disclose sensitive personal information? And I've never had to experience it. So I don't really have an answer. My gut tells me, given what I know about myself, that it probably doesn't change much of anything for me. I wouldn't be any more inhibited or uninhibited because there was a scribe in the room than there wasn't. Um, I think it's sort of at one level a little odd. It's hard for them to fade into the background because they're standing there with this usually, at least in the health systems I've seen with this giant, um, you know, giant platform, rolling platform that houses a laptop. I'm not quite clear on why they need to do that, but that's what they do. Um, and so they're pretty obtrusive. It's obvious that they're there. Um, but with that being said, I, I guess my attitude has always been or would be that, hey, I, I know exactly why they're there. I know what their function is. Um, they don't really have a vested interest in what I'm saying. They're just there to capture it. Um, less clear to me is whether or not I would really, it would improve the quality of the interaction between the physician and me. Um, and I'm sure there are arguments both ways here. Having a physician looking at you and having an actual conversation as opposed to talking to you, then going back to the computer um, themselves and entering information um, is probably uh, just intuitively makes sense to me. But I mean, for me, it's largely a hypothetical exercise. What's what's your okay. experience, you scribes? So you've dealt with it. I, I've, I've dealt with it a lot. Okay. So when it's like with my kids, I, the, I'm fine with it. Right. Because my, my child's health situation is complicated. I'm happy that there's somebody there kind of taking notes in real time so that the doctor doesn't forget what we talked about. All of that I'm fine with. Um, my, my gynecologist also uses a scribe. And what he does is the scribe comes in with him on the little, with the little roller cart thing and talks to me, does all the note taking and stuff. And then he actually has the scribe leave. It's been male and female. So there's no, you know, no gender specific role at the gynecologist office with the scribe. Um, and then the doctor will say, is there something that you want to talk about privately, not in front of somebody else? And then, I'll, you know, I'll, if there's something I need to disclose, I do do it then because I don't feel comfortable talking, you know, about my sex life in front of, you know, somebody in front of a keyboard that I don't know, basically. Yeah, um, that's interesting. And then he actually puts the notes in and then the scribe will come back in later. So okay. um, that's how he handles it. And I'm sure it's because, I mean, you just, you, they're, they're very intimate personal discussions that happen, especially in that exam room that, you know, and I would be guarded if, if the scribe was there. I, I mean, I don't know you, at least I have a relationship with the doctor. Um, so I, I'm glad that he does that. And I'm sure that other doctors do that as well. Um, now my prosthetist office, 
Um, for the first few visits, I found it annoying and more of like, no, I'm just going to stick with annoying, mainly because (laughs) the role was never explained or defined. All of a sudden, this woman just started coming in with my prosthetist and asking me questions and taking notes and stayed for the whole thing. And I found it, I, I, it got under my skin until I realized, you know, after a few visits, because, you know, sometimes I'm slow that way, uh, what she was doing and why she was there. I think if, if I were to recommend a prosthetist that's thinking about bringing one in, do an introduction with your patients, you know, the first time that, that the scribe is with the patients to explain the role, explain who this person is, because, you know, I, I didn't react favorably to some woman I didn't know coming in asking me how much I weighed, you know, right. and that, that was my first interaction. Um, take time, explain the role, explain the purpose, and then everything should be fine. Yeah. And do you have any feel for whether or not the qualitative discussions that are occurring between you and the prosthetist are better as a result of the scribe there? Do you feel like the prosthetist is more engaged and or able to better focus on uh, your needs as a result of not having to do any documentation? Or Ab- Absolutely it- not. Actually, I was thinking about that as we were kind of preparing for this. And I think that it it's definitely freed him up because there's more people coming through the office and through the appointments, probably because he's not spending as much time. But I don't notice that the amount of time that he's saving is being spent on existing patients. I think it's just being spent on more patients. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. That's interesting. That is interesting. I, 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 I was I was thinking of a th- something was running through my head as you were saying that, and and I'm trying to recapture the thought because because I'm as old as I am, it's now left my brain already, and I can't remember it. But um, yeah, I you know this sort of quantity versus quality argument is a, is an issue, and and let's be honest, Peggy. I mean, there's cost compression everywhere in healthcare. It has affected O and P as well, and so the 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 dynamics of traditional O&P where you, maybe it could be uh, at least larger clinics felt like they could be slightly more um, engaged with the patients in terms of we can take our time. We don't have to rush through stuff. I certainly feel like that's changed a lot in the last decade where there's a increasing premium being placed on. We have to be efficient. We, we still want to have meaningful interactions with patients, but we have to we have to be able to draw some lines here and and keep this moving in order to in order to remain profitable is that is that an observation that you've had as well absolutely absolutely so it's it's the wave of the future right now yeah and unless unless we totally overall healthcare to a point where the documentation changes in a fundamental way and these administrative tasks become much less dominant um, than they are today. Uh, I, I don't think it's unlikely. I don't, I don't think it's likely that um, that dynamic is is going to change at all. And, and the question will just become, how do you how do you do this more efficiently? Scribes are the answer right now. I will tell you, my prosthetists back in the day um, tried doing um, voice recognition transcription, and the problem with that was just the amount of time it takes to teach the trans, you know, the the quote smart 
transcription, um, the language that you need, medical language, medical terms, it's just really time consuming. So it's a real barrier for prosthetists and orthotists to use that because it slows you down so much initially. It takes you, you know, weeks to be able to get it to a point where it's kind of working in a seamless way. And a lot of people just don't have the tolerance to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a hard issue because I know it, it allows not only prosthetists, but doctors to spend more time with patients, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be more time with you personally. Yeah. So it's really two issues, right? It's how much time are they spending with patients uh, per patient? And then what's the quality of that interaction when they are spending that time? And two separate but related issues. So to summarize quickly here, Peggy, um, as we've noted, medical scribes are increasingly a part of modern healthcare. And standards and training they receive are, frankly, widely variable. Um, They definitely add a new dynamic to the clinician-patient relationship. And I I will say in closing as well, there's no real data on how they affect this relationship. The only research I've seen on scribes is, does it make a business more profitable? It's that pure economic argument. And and the reasons for that, I, I think, are obvious. One, it's a lot easier to measure that than it is to measure the quality of a patient interaction. Um, and two, um, you know, health systems that are going down this road are doing it for economic reasons. Um, the, the, the patient relationship is not the primary consideration. So the research is focused on the exact reason why they brought the scribe in. Is it making us more efficient, more productive? Um, and, you know, I, I think we can debate whether that's a good thing or not, but that's the reality of why there isn't any real data that focuses on the, the issue that you and I spent most of this podcast talking about. Yeah, it's, but I, I do think it's going to be seen more and more frequently. And I do think that we're going to be seeing it in more uh, OMP facilities as time goes on. Yep, I, I think you're probably right. And um, if people, Peggy, out there have had experiences with scribes, particularly in orthotic and prosthetic facilities, we'd love to hear from you. Peggy, where can they go to share that? Um, you can go on our network if, you, if you'd if you like to share your experiences with other like-minded or sometimes, I mean, yeah, we're all nice. I'm going to go like-minded and stick with that. Um, ampedlife.com. You can email us. You can email me, peggy at ampedlife.org. Uh, info at amplife.org works as well. You can find us on Facebook. Uh, you can leave a comment on the podcast. You can reply to our newsletter, all of these ways. We also have a contact us on our website, amplife.org. So there's lots of ways. Did I cover it? I think we did. That was good. I'm yeah, impressed. we're easy to find, Dave. We're, we're right there. <laughs> yes, we are right out in front of it all. That's right. Well, Peggy, thanks. This was a really interesting discussion. I appreciate you uh, tackling it with me. It's it's a little bit out of left field, but I think it's an interesting trend for us to keep our eyes on. Sounds good. I think so, too. All right. Have a good, good one. talking to you. Bye. Bye.